0: Welcome to the Men on Purpose podcast, featuring dynamic conversations with emerging and established visionary men on purpose. Thanks for joining us today as we celebrate the men on purpose who are committed, creative, courageous changemakers, living their best, most fulfilling life possible. Now, here's the host of Men on Purpose, Ian Lobos.
1: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. Today's episode, we're going to get right into it. It's all about gut health. That's right. And now it sounds kind of weird. Why are we talking about gut health on a Mental Purpose Podcast? Well, why wouldn't we talk about gut health? It literally is the key to it all. And Dr. Anthony Balducci, our resident medical professional, he's going to break down, I'm telling you, this episode is power packed. The guy breaks it down from your mouth out your butt, no joke. And everything in between, he gives smoothie recipes and things to eat and how to do a juice fast and, and you know, what foods mix with what literally, if you've been wondering about gut health, if you've been having problems with energy, your skin bloating in your gut, you name it. We're definitely going through it. This is a long episode, but it's really, really, really important, especially for men out there. I mean, men and women, but especially for men out there, it's really important that you listen to this episode and take notes because there's something in here for everybody. I guarantee it. No doubt. No doubt. So, as always, you can check out our show notes. Dr. A will be putting tons of stuff in there. All of his recommendations, his Dirty Dozen and Clean 15, his teas, his probiotic supplement recommendations, literally anything that he says in here, we're going to have that in the show notes for you. So, hit up the Mental Purpose Podcast website mentalpurposepodcast.com or my website ianlobos.com and you can find anything and everything you need to know about dr a the fit father project that he runs and which is absolutely amazing by the way i'm a big believer in it huge part of it and um and literally anything else you want to know about any of our guests who are on the show so listen bottom line Thank you for, for, for listening, for contributing, for all of your, for your downloads and your subscriptions and your, and your reviews. And, and, and all of you that write to me and make suggestions for the shows, it's super appreciated because I'm pivoting and evolving this show as I get more information from all of you. Because obviously, you know my five E's we're, we're elevating, educating, empowering, enriching, and evolving our lives together. And you know, if I can, if I can do that and be of service in a purposeful manner, it's my mission. Loving it. We have a ton of new coaching stuff that's coming out. So you want to definitely take a look at that. We've got some courses that are coming out very soon. Keep an eye on our Instagram page, just at mental on purpose podcast or the websites. And you'll find out a ton about those. All right, here we go. We'll probably talk forever on this one. But Dr. A is going to tell you a lot of stuff. So be patient something that you need will be in here. Get your notepad out. I promise you're going to love this one. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the mental purpose podcast. We got the resident doctor in the house, Dr. A or Dr. B, whatever you want. <laughs> you I know. go with
0: Dr. A. It's just how it's been. A. Um, I think it sticks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Cause I, I, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I, it's more friendly, man. I, I mean, you should see what my wife calls me. She calls all sorts of things. Doesn't start with doctor though.
1: I'll tell you that. <laughs> I love that, man. So today we're going to be talking about the gut and the mm-hmm. crucial importance that the gut plays on our entire life. Right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Crucial importance. And maybe we get real deep today. Real deep. I want to. Yeah, whatever. I'll go as far as you want to go, and you're the expert. So, and okay. I have. Let me start out by saying this: when I was 21 years old, I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease, mm-hmm. and in an instant, my life changed because all of a sudden I was alert. I, I not all of a sudden, but I had now clarity on why I was having so many issues with dairy and gluten, and so I cut those out of my life, and I started to heal myself using food. Instead Mm -hmm. of medication, because the medication that I was taking was very expensive and it was really, really jacking me up. And Mm -hmm. so I'm 38 now, and since I was, you know, 21, I've been on this journey to keep myself as healthy as possible with food and nutrition, and um, mindset, and you know, other things. But today, let's talk about your structure. However, you want to structure this is totally fine. Mm -hmm. But I want, I want to make sure that the audience, you guys understand how important your gut health is and things that you can do leaving this episode today and the notes that you're going to take to improve your gut health, thus improving your quality of life, your skin, your immune system, and 50 other things that your gut is responsible for.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Ready to go? Let's do it. Let's, I, okay, so I like to start with the philosophy because I think when we understand the big picture these smaller pieces and tactics we're gonna talk about make sense. So this body is laid out on a symmetrical axis: Arms, two arms, two legs, central column. And in the central column, we have two uh, basically axes. We have our spine, which the brain's communicating through the peripheral nervous system, through the spinal cord to all these nerves that go into our digestive tract, to go into our muscles. And then we have this food tube that runs from our mouth to our anus. And the first thing we need to understand is that the gut, in a very real sense, is actually outside of the body. The digestive tract is not inside the body. And the reason this is so is because I could take a piece of floss, make you swallow a rock, and I could floss you on both ends of your GI tract, right? That's I could I have to floss out the weird visual. No one wants to see that, right. <laughs> that If we did, we could. This means that this tube is external to the body. Oh, it's kind of yeah. like if you were driving a car through a river tunnel, like a tunnel that's going underneath a river or something like that. Yeah, yeah. You're not in the water, you're in the tunnel. Hmm. It is continuous. And this is essential to understand because the same stuff that happens on our skin, we have, uh, we have this, this connective tissue layer and we have a lot of bacteria on top of that. And there's a lot of hormone signaling is happening on the inside it's like the involution and this is actually how uh, the human body develops it develops almost from like this inside out on this central axis and the reason this is essential is because this digestive tract is the interface between everything external that we put in in terms of calories goes through this tube needs to be processed needs to meet the immune system which the immune system is naturally concentrated down this entire tube and then needs to be assimilated into the body. We're like chopped up and broken up and then it comes into the circulation so we can use that food broken down into calories to fuel our activity. This is primary number one. We need to understand that digestive tract is in a very real sense outside the body and everything we put in is communication inside the central tube and then kind of diffuses in. When we have this perspective, we understand why our entire immune system is concentrated in the GI tract. because look. When we're having things in, we need that immune system to immediately be able to um, basically respond to what we're seeing uh, that's coming in. And then if we're eating the wrong kinds of things that are causing that immune system to be out of balance, we're creating inflammation, we're creating problems with the different kinds of gut bacteria that live in there, we have dramatic health consequences. So the integrity of this digestive tract is huge. The other thing we need to understand is that every animal on this planet has an ideal diet that is related to their gut transit time. There's a reason why cows eat grass. They're ruminant creatures. They have multiple stomachs. They can ferment those hard plant fibers in many, many different pouches, and that's how their GI tract is aligned. Carnivores have very short GI tracts, pure carnivores like dogs, lions, stuff like this, short GI tracts. They eat raw flesh. They have very acidic stomachs. They have very sharp teeth. And then they're able to extract that nutrients and they, and they poop it out pretty fast because they have a short GI tract. Herbivores have long GI tracts. Carnivores have short GI tracts. Humans, were somewhere in the middle. We can eat both. We're omnivores. But the foods that are best for us are foods that do not sit for a long time in that GI tract, fermenting, causing problems. We need to also look at like, how things move through the gut transit time. So I want to unpack this. And I think we're going to look at yep. maybe some physiology. We'll look at the right kinds of foods. We'll look at this idea of the gut microbiome and probiotics and and what those things are. Um, But the philosophy is this, we need to eat, drink, and breathe to stay alive. This digestive tract is that interface between everything we put in and how the body responds to it. That's why the immune system's there. That's why a lot of inflammatory autoimmune conditions start in the digestive tract because when there's problems there, everything upstream has problems. I'll pause there, because I, I want you to interject with your personal sure. experience and then ask your questions, and we'll kind
1: of go from here, I think. So since I was a kid, I always had issues that I think all of uh, uh, you know my parents, and, you, know, you don't know what you don't know, And back in the '80s and, and '90s, gluten sensitivities, um, dairy sensitivities it, it wasn't as main, it, it definitely wasn't as mainstream as it is today. I'm sure it was in like, subcultures, but not mainstream. And I think there's definitely been a, 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 a realization and awakening of how detrimental the processed foods, the dairy stuff can be to us as human beings. And I know there's still people out there that are like, whatever, it's in your head, it's all this. But you're, you're, what you're explaining is how delicate the balance is inside the gut. And we're going to get into that with pre and probiotics, things like that. So I'm going to give a list of symptoms I've had. Because I want people to have uh, an, an understanding and a you know see if maybe if they link up to something that they have currently and maybe we're going to give them some help. We're going to give them some help today. So I've had everything from chronic diarrhea, chronic um, constipation, uh, to the point where like when I was over in England, uh, I was at Oxford University my junior year of of college that summer and. I couldn't eat anything. It was, I was sick from both ends. No matter what I ate, I could eat plain white rice. I could eat bread, milk. What it doesn't, didn't matter. I was, I was as sick as possible. And it was my body just saying, it's not it's time for you to start making some drastic changes. I've had, um, you know, uh, what do you call it? Like fissures, polyps, uh, you know, probably 25 colonoscopies, blood in the stool. um, you name it, I've experienced it. And I know that's really it's really personal and really graphic, but everybody knows my mission on this podcast, and we're going to elevate and educate and empower everybody to evolve everything that they're thinking so that they can apply it to their life if they choose to. It's your call. So I don't know where you want to start with that, but I know that there are people listening right now that are like, damn, I feel that every day. Yeah. And here's the one thing that I, that I tell people is, and it's it, you cannot just drastically shift. Your body does not develop habits like that, new habits like that. You can't just cut it all out. You can, but you're going to have some issues. So you have to you have to start somewhere. And it's, you know, the really the really challenging foods which I want you to kind of give people that are are like gut bombs. They're they're like they're just an atom bomb going into your system. And then I want to work our way up to some of the products that we have on the market today, that apparent like they look good, they're labeled vegan or gluten free, but they could be even worse for you than eating the stuff yep. that has all the shit in it because those things are so overprocessed and have so many starches and gums and shit in them that your gut just doesn't know what's going on, even though it says it's clean. So, yep. pff, roll it. with that.
0: Well, so, so if anyone has any of these digestive symptoms, gas, bloating, constipation, diarrhea you know, blood and stool, especially if you're having serious stuff, like let's just say blood and stool, like go see your doctor. That being said, all of these things are a symptom of some kind of, of problem in the GI tract, likely inflammation, or likely the fact that the nervous system is not acting properly um, in the GI tract. So here's what optimal digestion should look like. Let's start yeah. there and yeah. then we'll see where we're aberrant. So we have a, an enzyme um, in our saliva. It's a, a carbohydrate breaking down enzyme, which kind of gives you a clue to what kind of foods our ancient ancestors ate. If we have an enzyme that breaks down carbs an amylase in our, in our saliva, it means that digestion starts in the mouth, and our ancient ancestors probably were eating carbohydrate-containing foods. And they were. They were eating fruits came from Africa. We ate a lot of fruits and trees. Humans have a, a long history of being frugivores because it was what, what's available. We're not that strong. We're not that fast relative to other creatures, but right. you know, we can farm and we can eat fruit. So The first thing we need to do to, to optimize digestion as we work our way down this whole process is to chew our food well. We have really lost this art of chewing because we are so fast-paced. We're always talking on our phones, doing whatever while we're eating. and This is, makes a big problem for digestion, bigger than many people appreciate because- If we, the, the, the process of digestion is twofold. It's mechanical. Like we actually chew things and break things down because it has to ultimately get through this very thin permeable layer. So it needs to be broken down. So there's a mechanical process, but there's also like an enzymatic or chemical process. We have acid in the stomach and we have enzymes that basically like our little knives that chop things down. If we don't do a good job of chewing, we put more stress on the system to have it rely on acid to have it rely on enzymatic production. And as we get older, those two things get worse. Stomach acid becomes less effective as we age for every single person, and enzymatic activity becomes less effective as we age. So it becomes more important as we get older to chew our food better. What does this mean? 25 to 30 chews per bite. I mean, it's obviously different if you are eating like oatmeal versus like a steak, right? right. Different kinds of chewing, but like we need to start to slow down and it'll help our digestion tremendously. And the other th- the reason this helps too is because the process of our, 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 our body's so complex. And, and when we taste things in our mouth, our brain through sensations on the tongue through nerve sensing is anticipating what's coming in. So if we're tasting sweet, the brain is already sending a signal to the pancreas to release some insulin before we even get the food into the stomach. Cause it's like, I want to get ahead of this and keep that smooth blood sugar spike. Yeah. The reason that's important is, is if we slow things down, we give the body a chance to actually get this, like, this, this quick thing. And, and also, from a calorie perspective, When the, the sensation of fullness happens in two ways. One, from stretching in the stomach. So, that's why if you're on a low calorie diet and you drink a lot of water, it can help you control your hunger because you've stretched that stomach and the stretch receptors signal to the brain oh, we got stuff in here. It's all good. Another reason why eating nutrient-dense foods, like let's just say foods that agree with you, but like fibrous veggies or fruits or something that fills your stomach up more, but it doesn't have a lot of calories, very good for weight loss. The other signal is nutrients themselves. There is an area in the brain, the hypothalamus that's sensing the kind of nutrition we're getting in. And this is why you could eat French fries like all day, doesn't have a lot of nutrition, and you might still be hungry, even though you consumed a 1,000 calories of French fries. So those two variables are very important. Mm. Now, the journey starts with the chewing. Then we move down into like a, the, the esophagus right? that's going down into the stomach. It's the main line that connects the mouth to the stomach. When we get to the stomach, we're getting into an acid pouch. Stomach produces hydrochloric acid, very acidic. The purpose of this is to break down proteins. Um, and and a lot of people do experience symptoms of like acid reflux. That's like a very common thing that people have like acid traveling right back up. Um, it it happens for a couple reasons. And one reason it happens as we age, if we're not taking care of our bodies, our body actually becomes less acidic in the stomach. And that acid actually triggers the stomach to retain its acid. It's kind of counterintuitive. When you have acidic pouch, it actually causes the sphincter that separates the stomach and the esophagus to stay tight. When you lose acid that means that things are going to open up. Why is this important? Well, because every food that you eat has a specific pH associated with it and has an ideal environment for its breakdown. Meat and proteins require an acidic environment for them to be broken down. Steak largely digests in the stomach, and then we have different enzymes. And and, and the enzymes that are required to, to digest something like a watermelon very very different right it's mostly full of water it doesn't have any protein it's kind of got sugars in it so different environments so when we look at optimizing digestion before we talk about like the bad things that are messing you up another thing important thing to look about is like simpler meals are better the more complex the meal and the more things we combine in a meal creates an environment in the stomach where it's like there's a lot of things going on are you talking about
1: like fats carbs yes uh
0: Combining like, yeah, totally. So it's like almost easier for the body to, like, if you had a, a mono fruit meal, so you just had fruit, let's say you just had oranges, that would be a lot easier for your body to deal with than if you had oranges and you also had eggs or steak together. Right. The reason for that is twofold. One, the environment, right? We have a sugar source essentially in the oranges and we have protein and fat from the eggs or the steak. Very different things. They, they digest in, in different environments. And two, the transit time of the food. Fruit, which is something our ancient ancestors ate a lot of, we're kind of built for this kind of stuff, goes through the GI tract very quickly. I mean, you eat prunes. Prunes can get through your GI tract in like two hours. That's oh, why wow. they use them as like laxatives, right? They have sugar, alcohols, that get through that. But something like a ribeye steak might take like, a day, maybe two days, maybe longer if you have a slower GI tract. Um, this is important because we want to keep meals more simple. And I think the way I like to think of it, just some simple food combining rules, fruit should be eaten by itself. And ideally first. Fruit's great on an empty stomach. It's great pre-workout and, and, and choose a healthy fruit. Like berries are amazing, right? Like lots of longevity benefits, but Fruit's gotten a lot of big rap because a lot of people are going super, super low carb these days. Yeah. And if you want to go keto, that's fine. But point being is like fruit by itself, very good fruit after a meal, big no, no, even though it's like quote unquote, the healthy dessert. Imagine you've just packed like a heavy meal in there. You have like a lot of Brussels sprouts and like some salmon and whatever in there. And then on top of that, you throw some simple fast digesting sugars. Doesn't just take some intuition to know that probably doesn't mix well in the stuff. But if the fruit were in first and it's able to exit the GI tract very quickly, then you throw other things on, that is very good. Um, another thing that's relevant, I'm just going to kind of skip all these yeah, ideas, do it. ideas assortment is the fact that to optimize digestion, before we get into the, the fun probiotic prebiotic stuff, we need to understand that water and food are not friends. Uh, water and food are not friends. So when you eat food, your body has to produce the number of enzymes to break that down. And so those enzymes are based on a concentration, like how many enzymes were secreted into your small intestine based on the amount of food you ate. Your body's kind of gauging this dynamically. If you water down all those enzymes by throwing down a ton of water while you're eating, you make it harder for your body. Hmm. You've just lowered the concentration of the acid. You've lowered the concentration of this. And and so it's important to drink between meals, but not to necessarily drink during meals. This is just an important small side. What if
1: you're eating something that's... To, you know, a lot of bread or something that's tough to digest or to get down, you know, obviously have, a, your, have some, sips, but just don't drink a lot of water. Oh, don't I mean, guzzle. it's just okay. like,
0: yeah, don't guzzle. I'm not saying you have, don't have any water. Like it's right. fine to have some, um, but I definitely wouldn't drink a lot of water while eating a lot of food. It just doesn't work well um, for the system. Now, the second we get out of the stomach, this acid chamber, we move into the small intestine. And this is the beginning of like what we call the proper GI tract, if you will. And this is where absorption of nutrients happens, that first little bit when it exits the stomach and goes into that small intestine. This is where Look, big time absorption I happens. I want to go
1: intestine. back for one second to the stomach. So if you put in, you know, you were talking about um fermenting earlier. If mm-hmm. you put in something that ferments in the stomach, mm-hmm. like uh uh bread, yep, right, and then you put in something that uh, you know co- coagulates like a like a fat mm-hmm. and then you put in something like a meat what, what does meat do meat um
0: well it's broken down by the stomach acid i mean it's, right. it's, a, it's a kind of acidic
1: general thing but it's what do you slow, mean, like, it's slow like, so like if, time, meat, yeah. if meat sits I, I'm, I'm like blanking on the, the the word if meat sits it i don't know whatever so does the stomach let things out in terms of, like, does it stay in the stomach? Meat stay longer than bread or than fruit? Yes. Okay. Yes. So it, I there's mean, transit times know?
0: out of the stomach. And this is good. This is good. So as the stomach's using its acid, it's kind of churning this, this stuff into like a, more or less like this kind of like ball that it's able to secrete into the small intestine. Um, and the presence of fat is the one thing that reliably slows down exit time from the stomach. If you oh. want something to stay in the stomach for a long time, you add fat to it fruit just sugar for example like fruit like let's say blueberries exits the stomach very fast if we were to add avocado to that it would slow down the transit time pretty tremendously we can use this to our benefit in one sense because there may be some times where we don't want something to get through the system too fast so let's say we had a quote-unquote healthy meal of chicken and rice as someone might say chicken rice and like say some spinach Yep. And we had that same meal, but we added an avocado or some extra virgin olive oil to it. Meal B is going to time release a lot slower because those fats slow down the transit process. Why this might be good in this instance is it also slows down the spike of blood sugars. Mm. It kind of like time releases a meal that otherwise with very little fat would spike your insulin and blood sugar levels a lot more. Stable blood sugar is stable energy. We know we want to have more stable blood sugar. So fat is your friend. And fat are um, fatty acids. Fatty acids, what do you think that is? It, it's good in an acidic environment. Protein, right. also good in an acidic environment, very different than sugar and carbohydrates, which actually benefit from a more alkaline environment in digestion. So, this is where some food combining can be a good idea. I think proteins plus greens are a very, very, very good food combination. Um, in fact, I would caution anyone who's eating an omnivorous diet, you know, all different types of things to not eat protein without having some kind of green thing with it because what we do know uh, is, is that it is problematic if we have animal proteins hanging out in the GI tract for a long time. That steak that's sitting in there, like you're, you ate it last night, but you're still not hungry the next day. It's kind of like a slow transit time. Not good because we have these gut bacteria we're going to talk about in a little bit. And if stuff sits in there for too long, they feast and they could ferment these things in the colon to these things called secondary bile acids and salts. And those things can irritate your colon and can predispose you to colon cancer. If you have the right genetics, perfect storm. So you want stuff moving through the system, plant fibers, green stuff moves food through the system faster. So like steak on its own versus steak with, let's just say, some bok choy or some, uh, some kale or collard greens. The second one will move through a lot faster. That's good. We do not want things sitting in the, in the colon for a long time. This is why when people go on cleanses or detoxes, they oftentimes just drink juice or waters yeah. or teas. The idea is to empty out this central column of, of stuff That's just oftentimes, I think that they say that people may have like 10 to 15 pounds of poop sitting in their bodies at all times, because yeah. it's just like, there's all those pouches in this long windy GI tract. So we want things moving through protein and greens, really good fruit by itself. These are just some, some good starting points. Um, and, and I would continue on into this kind of like journey down the GI tract is because once we're in that small intestine out of that stomach, this is where things get really important because this is where we have a lot of The gut bacteria, they start some in the small intestine, mostly in the large intestine. And this is where the immune system and all the enzymes are chopping things up and making sure that it gets assimilated into the body. This is also where inflammation happens in a very, very big way for people who are eating the wrong kinds of foods. The immune system's job in a big picture is to prevent foreign things that aren't marked with your own genetic tags from entering the body and causing harm. And so when we have things that cause inflammation in the GI tract, what happens is that normally tight wall of the GI tract becomes more porous. Mm. It gets inflamed. This is what people call leaky gut. And what happens when leaky gut happens, you're eating foods, let's just say like it's the fast food McDonald's, it's got the bread, the trans fats, all sorts of inflammatory stuff. When that GI tract becomes leaky, all sorts of things start cruising into the bloodstream. Even some of the bacteria that are sitting in your GI tract normally that are separated with that nice tight barrier start leaking through and your immune system starts to have a systemic inflammatory response. What is this that? Is why we does that know look like? From-
1: like, not what, like what, is it, what are the symptoms of that? And, and I'm sure there's yeah, a look to it too. Most autoimmune
0: conditions, right? Yep. Joint pain, skin, skin problems, uh, blood sugar issues, fatigue, brain fog, aches, like, these are these are signs and symptoms and it manifests differently for each of us which is amazing because when we talk about gut health we're also talking about like genetics like you can tolerate certain foods better than me I was born lactose intolerant. I do not have lactase, the enzyme that breaks down milk sugars. So since birth, I was always like, I drink milk, I get sick, I get yep. gas and bloating. Some people, based on your descent, can drink milk just fine. Like Northern Europeans, they can, they can do better. They you know, come from a genetic line of people that were raising cows. People from Africa and Asia, it's estimated that like 90% of those people are lactose intolerant. Oh, interesting. In some respect, right? Yeah. So that's amazing. There's a genetic component to this too. Now- It's a good point here to kind of pause and say two things. When we talk about gut health, it's very simple to want to say that all these foods are bad and all these foods are good. But it's, it's unfortunately not that simple because certain people can tolerate certain foods just fine. There are people that can eat gluten and you can check their inflammatory markers and they're fine. And there's other people that have a tiny bit of gluten, right? Celiac disease and they explode. They get an inflammation in their gut and it can even be like potentially life-threatening yeah. for people. So there's a genetic predisposition to what people are reactive to in the immune system. A lot of it starts when we're young the integrity of our GI tract, how many antibiotics we had as kids, like all these different kinds of things are a variable. The key thing, in my opinion, for all of us is to find the foods that work well for us, like individually. Because once you find those foods, you start to build your meal plan around those foods that are that are good for us uniquely. So how do you know if a food's good for you? Well, the first thing you need to do, if you're serious about really discovering this, is to do an elimination diet, is to like clean up, get rid of like the major categories of of the BS and you don't have to do it all overnight. As you said, it can be like a a scaling back process, but by, by cleaning the system up, you can really find what things you react to very profoundly. The main allergens that people encounter dairy, corn, soy, gluten, these are some main ones. And then there's obviously like, I, there's, there's unique allergies of things like shellfish, peanuts, but those are kind of like in a different class of like anaphylactic allergies. Yeah. So when we start to remove these processed foods and we reintroduce things, we're gonna see which foods work well for you and which don't. How do you know which ones work well? Well, if you eat them, you feel good. You have solid poops coming out ideally that day. In a perfect world, we're actually supposed to have like one poop for every meal we have. Hmm. Like every time we eat, it stretches the stomach, which actually causes a reflex in the colon for us to poop. And it makes a lot of sense. Like we eat, totally. we dump, we eat, we dump. Um, so if we're not pooping regularly enough, now there is a genetic you know, basis to this. Some people have faster GI tracts. Some people have slower GI tracts, but the foods that make you feel good are foods that you're going to be regular with. So really like checking in with your stool. How hard is it? How soft is it? How frequently are you pooping? Is it sludgy? Is it smelly? These are This is information. This is telling you exactly what's happening in your GI tract. And you don't need to be a doctor to like ascertain what the stuff is. If you're having really foul, loose stools all the time, something's awry in the GI tract. But if you figure out a way to have nice, solid poops once a day at least, but hopefully more, um, then
1: you know you're, you have foods that are working for you. I mean, what do you do to, to, like, what I found is that re-regulating the gut is not an overnight thing. It mm-hmm. takes some time because there's there, there could be a week or two weeks worth of stuff in there, and then you just eat a great meal. It's not necessarily going to show up that day. So how can you get the gut back on track? I mean, obviously, the elimination diet works really, really well. Yeah. And, uh, and then you start adding foods in. I mean, look, it takes discipline, but there's a... There's a pay now or pay later type of thing. And if you're abusing, if you eat like you were eight in college, which listen, everybody has immunity in college in some capacity in our brains, in our brains, not for real, but in our brains. If you still eat like that and you're 40, there's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And you have to just hit an elimination diet. Like I I talk to people that are, um, you know, 40 pounds overweight. You got the gut, the gut's bloated out, right? Which is That's the, that's the gut. That's your visceral fat. Right. Bloat. Right. And that's your, and that's your actual gut full of the stuff like you were talking about 15 pounds of poop in your gut just hanging and food and stuff that's just stuck. That's an issue. And you, you watch people go on an elimination diet and start to dial in and instantly that gut completely drops. The bloat goes down, they lose 15 pounds. And it's like, Oh wow. All I did was cut out pizza, soda, beer, Popcorn at night, co- candy cookies. You're like, yeah, all right. All the shit foods, all the processed stuff, yeah. all the stuff that just has inflammation, inflammation character built into it.
0: Yes, you're so right. And it's two things, right? It's not just those foods are high in calories, right. they're low in nutrients and they're inflammatory. So it's like right. a triple whammy of why that stuff's bad. You know, my thinking on like how do you start has, is, is, is twofold. I think there's a method of like the more ex, the extreme, most effective method, and then there's a method of like the gradual. I'll start with the extreme most effective method. This is not something that not enough health professionals talk about, but I think probably the, the single, and I'm not saying anyone should do this, but I am saying do your own research. Yep. The single most effective protocol, I believe, for starting to restore the gut is by doing a juice fast. And the reason I think that's so is that it's the it's the it's the the solid foods we're eating that are causing this poop chute to fill up and causing a lot of inflammation. When we stop putting solid foods in for a while, but we're still getting high-quality nutrients, juice, right? Juice is all the vitamins, the minerals, the calories from these fruits and vegetables without the fiber. We're resting the GI tract. There is an amazing guy. His name is John Rose. He's been a health advocate for over like 30, 40 years. And he, he does, he leads people through these things called juice feasting. You can look them up on YouTube and the results are amazing. He has people juice feast. There's people who are like 300 pounds at juice feast for an entire year and lose about 150 of those pounds. But my point being is taking a solid, he calls it solid food vacation, taking a little bit of a, even if you're scaling back to things like smoothies or shakes, but like if you know you're inflamed, going lighter for a week, more liquid meals, eating stuff that's easier to digest and not giving your body really hard stuff to digest is a good way to start um, to to reduce that inflammation. Now, that's part of the picture. It's like that's kind of like the mechanical what are we putting in. There's also a lot of good stuff we can put into the GI tract that will help reduce inflammation.
1: For people who are looking Let me me ask you a question real quick. Because, you know, juice cleanse, cleanse, juicing, I feel like it's a very buzzy, popular thing, right? You hear people are like, like you and we talked about it on one of the episodes, people are like, oh, I'm on keto or I'm on a juice Mm -hmm. cleanse. But you got to be really cautious and aware of who's leading you through that, that cleanse Mm -hmm. just because they're skinny or in shape doesn't mean that they're healthy. And that's a very big thing that does not mean that you're healthy if you're skinny or if you, you have good skin or whatever. And so how does somebody who has the habit to eat fast food and, and drink whatever they want and eat is, you know, sugary foods, how do you just go from, doesn't the body go into a, a shock or, and then how do you, how do you rebuild or tear down that habit when the body's like screaming for sugar, screaming for alcohol, screaming for caffeine, um, processed foods like how and like the gut biome or the gut uh bacteria is screaming for like candida is screaming for yeah for um oh my god what do they feed on like the starches yes sugar starches how do you get someone to start a juice cleanse and how the hell do you do a juice cleanse for a year right i mean that's someone who has that's an extreme example that's true yeah yeah. of
0: of someone who had a lot of weight to lose um i would say the average 3 days, 5 days? I've done I've done a 7 day, I've done a 14 day and they're they're amazing. Yeah. Because they allow your body to get rid of all that. I was I was still pooping on day 12 of my juice cleanse. Interesting. With no solid food in and I'm a healthy guy. So that's yeah. just to tell you like there's more stuff to come out. I think of, of that as not like this is your protocol for life, but I think of that as it's spring cleaning. It's probably yeah. a good idea based on modern life to do this a couple times per year to clean things out. If you want help with that, look up John Rose on YouTube. His stuff is like free and it's amazing. Like He's a guy who knows more than anything about you know juice, juice cleansing, juice feasting, whatever you want to call it. But what do you do for people who don't want to go to the extreme? I, I think one way is to take control of that first meal of the day because when we wake up every day we kind of have this like fresh start of, of what we can do. And, and if we start eating crappy foods early in the day, it sets us in this blood sugar roller coaster and, and it's easier to eat crap later. So, what if we could just optimize that first meal and we made no other changes, but just made that first meal really healthy on your GI track? Something light, right? Maybe it's some kind of power shake or smoothie or something that has some berries, some greens, some protein, some anti-inflammatory stuff in there, maybe some omega-3s, curcumin, hemp seeds, whatever. But like we've optimized that first meal is an amazing place to start what i want what i always think about is for busy people and i mentioned this before in a couple of our past episodes is the first meal a day your goal should be to get maximum nutrition with the lowest amount of like cognitive effort and thinking yeah so standardizing that down to like some kind of gut friendly shake or smoothie really, really good habit, right? Because we can get the right stuff in early. And if you're someone who feels like you have the triad of everything, like you probably have some gut dysbiosis, you know, you have inflammation and you're addicted to caffeine and you're not sleeping that much. Like let's tackle just the food first. I would personally actually keep the caffeine and coffee in, unless you're the kind of person that wants to go totally cold turkey. But I would, I would say probably keep the coffee in and do something like the shake to build that up and start to get the GI track a little more regular and expecting that kind of thing first thing in the morning.
1: And then you can work on the other components. Is there a danger? Is there a danger to like my, my wife did a, a, I call it a cleanse and they, they were saying, okay, we can step in, step in, step in. And she was like, you know what? I'm going for it. I watch you go for, I watch you go cold turkey on things. I'm going for it. And mm-hmm. she did gluten, dairy, alcohol, ca- caffeine, sugar, in one day
0: it's good i mean there's With, not it's, it's a personality thing and it, it, it is abrupt right she probably felt pretty crappy for a one day, or day two, though
1: but, if i get yeah, that i'm, I'm hung two. over for a, a five days like i just drank a bit of whiskey the night before every night for different. her it was like six hours and she was clean
0: right i mean we're all different i mean this yeah. is the thing it's like gut health is very individual and in, and in, in the process so i'll leave it up to everyone to kind of make their own decision on what they want to do both methods are good um the clean, the radical cleanup is very possible and, and it's not going to say it's going to harm your body to get rid of all of these things at once. It just, you may have some reactions of not feeling good for a short period of time. So if you are going to do this stuff, I would also, I would not do it during a time where you have a very high stress, like yeah. high output period of your life. It's nice to give the body the a, a time to really relax and heal which requires you not being in a sympathetic, dominant, cortisol-driven, very hard-charging thing. If that's where you're at right now in your life and you're building something or you're really on, then doing a more moderate approach might be the better thing to find that happy medium between energy levels. Got it. The second thing I would say from a practical perspective is we need to start to fix the probiotic balance for people. Get the right good gut bacteria in there. And get rid of some of the bad guys. Now, there's a couple ways we can do this. One is in the short term by supplementing with a high quality probiotic supplement. Very good. If someone hasn't ever worked on their gut health, it'd probably be a good idea for people to take a probiotic for some time. And this is powerful stuff. It doesn't take a long time for these good bacteria to get a foothold. And probiotics are not necessarily something you need to take all the time. But the greatest benefit of the research is people who have dysbiosis or don't have good gut health or haven't been eating the right foods, take it for 30, 60, 90 days to kind of correct that balance of the right gut bacteria. You want to get the good guys in. Now, to support those, you want to be eating colorful, non-processed foods because these foods have the fiber and the phytonutrients that support the good guys and get rid of the bad guys. And what's really amazing is that the good gut bacteria, they actually live off fiber. Like it's when you heard the word prebiotic, it's basically just means fiber. It means fiber that your good gut bacteria that you want, that they eat. And what's amazing is they break down that fiber and they basically turn it into a short chain fatty acid called butyrate. Butyrate is is found in butter. So basically, it, they, you can say that their tier, your gut bacteria is turning plant fiber into butter. It's not quite that simple. It's an oversimplification, but yeah. that butyrate is good because it actually kills the bad bad bacteria, and your body loves it. It actually nourishes your entire digestive tract cells. It's anti-inflammatory, and it gives you energy. This is why you look at like a silverback gorilla. It's a huge animal. It's like chewing on leaves and stuff, and you're like. How are you sustaining yourself on that? It's because they have a high proportion of gut bacteria that convert plant fiber into butyrate, butyric acids and stuff like that, that they can use for energy. So the practical takeaway I think is getting some of these things in that morning shake or making the commitment or maybe, or, and making the commitment that your second meal of the day is protein plus greens, any kind of green. You know, I would say that there are some greens I would, that are very trendy right now that I would avoid. I would avoid eating kale raw. I would avoid eating like chard or some of these, like if if it's a plant that is very rough and you like look at and you're like, that is a dense green plant. It's, it's, your body can't really break that down. We're meant to eat actually like the baby spinach, the spring mix, these baby leaves and stuff are easier for us to break down. But I would say like a spring mix salad with some protein is like a huge place to start. If you didn't even change dinner, but you made some kind of smoothie, and I'm happy actually to give a smoothie recipe. You yeah, can I was put in the show notes for this. Yep. I'll do one, you know, basic one. People can modify it as they see fit, but we can do a smoothie recipe here. Plus protein plus greens for your second meal, you're off to a great start. What we know from the research is that when it comes to gut bacteria, you want diversity of the good guys. You want a big diversity. And the way to get diversity is to give it fiber and allow the system to like auto-regulate. The bad. Uh, the bad bacteria, the bad fungi, and, and the viruses that live in the GI tract, most of them live in acidic environments. So coffee, soda, sugars, that's what they feed off of or on very, very, very high meat intakes is another thing that there's a putrefactive type of bacteria that, that a lot of those guys live off of. That's what I was yes. looking for,
1: putrefied. Yeah, okay. you were
0: looking for that. And actually, yep. truly, like meat becomes putrefied. It creates a thing called putrescine in the GI tract that, that screws up your, that your, your colon cells. So this is why, like, hey, if you're going to have animal protein, you best be having it with some kind of green to move it through the system. So, like, if you're going to have the steak, have it with broccoli, right? Or have it with sautéed spinach or something that's giving you some fiber to move that through. You don't want that stuff sitting in your GI tract. So kind of like the zoom out high-level summary so far, it's probably a good idea for gut health to do these regular episodic a couple times per year cleanses where we actually get less solid food, more juices to kind of clean out the track. We also know that we need to figure out which kinds of foods are triggering us. And that means paying attention, paying attention to our poop, paying attention to how we feel after eating certain kinds of foods. Like I I know mine, like corn, scallops, coffee, like just like stuff. You just kind of like start to figure out there's certain foods that like, just don't agree with you. You can do food allergy testing, like that is a thing that's offered, but it's not nearly as reliable as doing an elimination diet and then seeing when you reintroduce something if it messes with you. And the gluten thing is interesting because the kind of wheat that we're exposed to today is not the same kind of wheat that humans had for thousands and thousands of years. There are ancient types of wheats like einkorn wheat. Uh, which is so dramatically different than modern wheat, which has been hybridized, genetically modified uh, to, to give us higher crop yields. And it has different types of uh, gluten and gliadin and wheat germ and, and proteins that screw us up. So just because you are not like, you hear the stories of people that like, go over to Italy, right? And they can eat stuff over there, but yeah. then they come back in the United States, they can't eat that here. Um, I, I think it's important to use like the least processed foods possible. Most people should probably be avoiding uh, modern breads uh, white stuff for the most part. Um, but I personally can tolerate things like ancient wheats, like einkorn. I can eat it just fine, but who, who's eating einkorn? Like it's kind of like a weird random thing. I just brought right. that up to, to say that the, the modernization of a lot of these things is what has caused a great deal of the problems. In addition to, and this is very, very important, the organic versus non-organic debate and how that affects gut health, non-organic foods, A lot of them are sprayed with pesticides so that farming is easier. One major one is Roundup from Monsanto. The goal here is not to get political in this discussion. The goal here is to say this. We know that Roundup screws up your gut bacteria. You eat this stuff on your fruits and vegetables from non-organic produce, it screws up your gut bacteria. Something I think would be fun for you to list in the show notes for people would be like the Dirty Dozen Clean 15. It's like a list of the foods that are highest sprayed in pesticides versus those that are fine to buy conventional versus organic. So for example, think about something like a banana. A banana has a very like, big outer layer covering the peel that you peel off. Nothing's getting through that peel. So it's fine if the banana is not organic, but think of something like a berry that has a very soft, delicate, thin skin that if that thing's getting sprayed, those pesticides are getting into it. So another example would be like a watermelon, a non-organic watermelon. Like the outside of that sucker, there's nothing getting into that watermelon. Um,
1: But what about about in the ground? Like the Roundup gets into the ground and then the watermelon... I'm a
0: fan... Constantly of buying organic whenever possible. But right. the reality is, not everyone wants to spend that kind of money or can. Right. And if that's the case, looking at something like a Dirty Dozen Clean 15, here's how I would think through it. It's like, one, I want to figure out the kinds of foods that make me feel good and my family likes to eat sure. based on whatever. And then two, look at something like the Dirty Dozen Clean 15 list and find which ones are going to be good to buy organic and which ones not. That's a variable. Now, other things that I think are critical for good gut health is generally eating an anti-inflammatory diet. So that means getting low amounts of not too much caffeine or stimulants, not too much alcohol. You know, and you don't have to have either of those things. I'm just being reasonable here. Yeah, I'm not yeah. telling you can do nothing fun. Um, and eating foods that are high in omega-3s. So we have things like wild salmon, chia seeds, hemp seeds, like good things there. And I also think for gut health, a lot of people could benefit from using more spices and using more turmeric and curcumin, which is something that is very, very powerful, natural anti-inflammatory from nature, a good thing to to have in the GI tract at all times. Got it. Another tip, and this is just random spitball hour on gut health, but it's fun, right? Is what I do, and I've, I've come to do in terms of a habit, is I actually keep digestive enzymes in my house. I buy like a digestive enzyme supplement of any of any kind. I mean, there's so many ones. They just basically are like giving your body that help. As we talked about, as you age, enzymes get worse. And if you're having a big meal, I take enzymes. So I eat very before, like, like right before, or hour before, during, during, during the meal. Um, so I eat very like standardized first meal, second meal, like the things I'm telling you to do are things I do, like standardized meals. But sometimes, you know, I'm going out to dinner with friends and family, or we're eating something that's not on the regular menu, and I want a little extra support to break that down. I'm taking enzymes with those types of meals. If I'm it. ordering out restaurant kind of stuff. Pop a few enzymes, probably helpful, not necessary, uh, but certainly helpful. Now, a couple of things that are of note, I think a good probiotic supplement is, is solid, is, is something to look into, but also eating foods that have natural probiotics in them, like things like sauerkraut, things like kimchi, like oh, these yeah. fermented foods, like have natural probiotics in them. They're good. I would say do those foods, but like, and do them a couple times per week as a natural probiotic source. I think people can get in trouble, people who really love their kombucha. A lot of people who drink a lot of beer, like brewing kombucha and kind of stuff, and you're drinking that all the time, it can be too much. You want to get like these sporadic, uh, you know, getting those things into your diet. I wouldn't go drink a ton of kombucha tea all the time, but a couple times a week is good.
1: How much, how much um, kimchi, like I, I, I didn't like kimchi at all. My wife bought me a, a jar. I loved it. And it, and it Mm. really agreed with my gut. How much are you supposed to eat? Like I was just eating like two forkfuls.
0: That's great. A couple forkfuls, you know, and you can, you can have that a couple times a week. You can have it as part of your morning ritual or whatever, but it's good to like get that stuff in the system early. I think like sauerkraut and kimchi are are really easy ways to get those probiotics. Other good ways are, uh, some fermented yogurts. I would opt for ones that aren't dairy, like a coconut kefir is like a fermented yogurt that has really good probiotics in there. Amazing. I would definitely recommend that, and also taking probiotic supplements are an easy way. If you're like, I just don't like those types of foods, take a probiotic supplement for a while and see how it improves your GI tract and your function. Which, which will be evidenced by less bloating, more energy, better, better poops. If your poops aren't looking good, like soft but not hard, well formed, like then there's optimization still to do there on the GI tract front. Got it. Yeah. So other things I think are relevant is there are specific supplements. And this is where we get a little more medical because they're like, depending on what kind of, if someone has a condition like you, like you actually had a legitimate Crohn's diagnosis, there are certain supplements or interventions that are, that are better for those kinds of things. There's anti-inflammatory compounds that are, that are good for those things. Something that is often used in gut healing protocols is uh, L-glutamine. It's an amino acid that does help heal the gut in high doses. Yeah, talk a about product, that for a second
1: because being yeah. I I rarely heard about that in Baltimore, but being out here in LA, L-glutamine injections and like there's a a place like an IV therapy place down the street, they 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 have this huge sign that says like gut problems. We we do L-glutamine injections. Or glutathione, right? Or is that how you say glutathione, it? Glutathione, diff- different thing than glutamine. So okay.
0: it's like two, two different things there. Glutamine is an amino acid, most abundant in the body. Bodybuilders used to take it because they thought it would help them with recovery. Turns out it doesn't really help at all with that. Yeah. But turns out it does help with gut health if you take it at high doses. Um, a product that I that I have personally liked in the past is, is from Designs for Health. It's called GI Revive. It has glut- glutamine in it and it has some other soothing compounds and herbs for the digestive tract it's good i'm not saying anyone should take that it's like not medical advice you got to figure out what's going on with your gut specifically but that is a good broad spectrum anti-inflammatory for the gi tract now glutathione something a lot of people talk about a lot is one of the body's main uh, detoxification compounds we produce it in the liver helps us, helps us get rid of all sorts of stuff and has so many uses, anti-aging properties, detox properties. Like, uh, people are doing it via injection. There's also liposomal. You can take it orally as well. Not something I take on a regular basis. I'm a, I'm a believer of, of how much can we feed the process properly upstream? I'm not yeah. saying glutathione doesn't have its use. I'm just saying like if we can get the intake right from the stuff, the body is very self-regulating. Um, but that being said, if you are in an acute situation where you know you need to improve your health, these therapies can be helpful in the short term to
1: Got make it. you feel better. What would that do? What would a, um, it was intriguing, and I figured, you know what, I'm, I know I'm talking to you about this. I'll ask you, what, what does a glutathione injection do?
0: Well, I mean, if, if they infused it, like, a, like an IV is probably how they'd, they'd likely yeah. do it. Um, I mean, it would upregulate your body, temporarily upregulate your body's ability to detox Anything. I mean, what's it would be a matter of like what's going on in your body that you'd want to do? Increases your antioxidant capacity temporarily. Um, you know, just increases your body's robustness. Like, like think of it yeah. as like plus five strength points for like a little bit. Oh, okay. But you know, <laughs> you know, it's not making you stronger physically, but it's just helping your body's like resiliency to doing. It's it's the metabolic detoxification processes. Your body makes out glutamine or a glutathione on its own, but the injection is just like oh, there. Yeah, I've yeah. used it in the past for people helping them like. I, When I was practicing medicine, I would would help people with uh, like mold, for example, or things like glutathione is very good for people have like mold issues or they're detoxing from drugs and alcohol. Glutathione has its place there.
1: Got it. So what about the, like, what can people do? um, We talked about the intake. We talked about the, the regulation, how to, how to do a juice cleanse, Um, like what's the, what's the end track look like? Like, how can people take care of the last bits of the large intestine where a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff is, is, is plays a crucial role. Yeah. I mean, the answer is a couple fold.
0: The fastest way to gunk up the, the, the colon is by eating a very high meat diet a high, because remember, things are moving through the digestive tract like pretty quickly in the beginning of the stomach yeah. and the small intestine, but later on in the colon is where a lot of this stuff um, accumulates. Funny enough, this brings back a memory um, from medical school. The cadaver that we were dissecting in the first year of medical school, the guy was around in his, in his 80s, and he actually died from a condition called toxic megacolon, hmm. where basically the colon itself uh, stops moving, it doesn't get the right nervous system input and it stops moving poop through. And poop had built up in this guy's colon to the point where it was like 20, 30 pounds of poop. And it actually toxifies the body because you're not, you're we're, we're dumping crap into the poop all the time that the body wants to get out. Yeah. It's not just the food stuff. You're also dumping like in bile, you're dumping toxins into the poop and you want to get that out. This guy ha- had died from that. So what I would say is, A couple things. If you want to keep your colon regular, one, you got to get your sleep on point. And this is super important because when your circadian rhythm's off, your whole digestive function is off. And two, make sure you're not eating a super, super high meat diet. Um, And what I would suggest for people is perhaps saving animal proteins only for that last meal of the day. I okay. think if you're having, let's just say you're three meals a day, maybe you're having two with intermittent fasting, I would say save that for the last meal of the day. The reason being is the slowest food getting through the GI tract is animal protein and it okay. ferments in the colon. Um, and again, if you are going to have animal proteins, you get it with green veggies, you get so stuff moving through. Do you and recommend- water, hydration, right? We'll talk about that too.
1: Yeah. Do you recommend, um, like, I know I have some friends that are on all herbivore diets like all greens diets like just all plants not plant based but just all plants i have some friends that are on all like carnivore diets all meat based but just meat not, nothing else in there what mm-hmm. like is it does the body not like that or does the body like consistency like that i mean obviously you're talking about too much meat is a is a detrimental thing to the gut but does the body want more variety
0: well so i'd say this Simple meals are best because they're easier to digest, number one. Two, the body needs a wide array of different micronutrients. There's no one perfect food that has everything. So diversity, in a sense, is good because you're getting different stuff from a carrot than you are from a bell pepper than you are from um, you know, a salmon, right? So if you're eating the same foods, like if you only ate one type of food, you're not getting the full spectrum of nutrients your body needs. We also hit on the fact that our bodies like to have a different diversity of fiber. So that means you're eating different kinds of fruits and veggies. And I think if I could, I can stress one thing with confidence. It's like getting fiber diversity is very good. Now, the carnivore people, these are people that are, they're basically doing a ketogenic diet, but they're only eating meat. Their fundamental premise is that plant foods have compounds in them that can cause inflammation in the GI tract. And we want to go very low carb, and we can just do all this stuff with protein and, and fat. And I think in the short term, it can totally work for people. Because when you're eating a carnivore diet, what are you not eating? Chips, soda, right. pop, any kind of carb-containing BS. You're not having blood sugar spikes. You're just eating meat. Well, the problem is, again, the good gut bacteria we know that are great for human health, they live off of fiber. The gut bacteria that live off amino acids, which there's no fiber in, in, in a carnivore diet, Unless you're supplementing with some fibers, which some people may, they're getting wiser and maybe doing some more of that. Um, But you're going to get amino acid, protein, amino acid fermenting bacteria, and those might not be good long-term. I think I like to look at this from a, a more evolutionary lens. Our ancient ancestors ate a mixed diet. They absolutely ate fruit. They absolutely ate nuts. So we're, we're, we're having like a mixed metabolism. We're not meant to just rely on one specific substrate. What I think is best for human health is when people are metabolically flexible, meaning you can burn fat, meaning you can burn carbs. And that's why I think things like intermittent fasting are great because they give your body that little bit of like stress that we're not oh, yeah. always having food. So you better be able to produce some ketones and burn some fat. But at the same time, you don't have to exclude this wide range of foods that have such good benefits, like all the, f- the fruits and the veggies that have, the fiber and the colors like there is a best like what we know from like the longevity research is the people who live the longest eat a mostly plant-based diet um and they eat lots of colorful stuff and it's non-processed and that's it like i mean we 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 can make it more complicated if we choose oh but it could be simple Um, it could be that but, but i think that's really the thing it's like i love i love something called like the great grandmother rule and it basically is this if your great grandmother wouldn't have recognized it as food then don't eat it and so, what that means, if it comes in a box or a fancy label or there's something and there's a million ingredients to it, it's probably not like the best food for you. And it's a really strong rule of thumb. I think it probably works in nine out of 10 cases. There's probably some like engineered superfood that is like legit. Yeah. Um, but for the most part, you know, you don't need a nutrition label to know that an apple's an apple, salmon's salmon, a yam's a yam, yeah. spinach is spinach. Like we kind of got that. So, it's a non processed diet. I am a fan of fiber. Um, now, I, I would say this is like the, the idea behind the carnivore diet, and, and there's, a, there's a doctor named Dr. Gundry who wrote a book called The Plant Paradox, and he's, oh, yeah. on, a, he's on a crusade against lectins. Yeah, lectins. Lectins, these things that are, that are in plants that you know, can irritate the digestive tract. Well, turns out that humans figured this stuff out over thousands of years. We figure out how to traditionally prepare foods so that they're good. Meaning, in the past, when we ate grains or beans, we soaked them, yeah, and we sprouted them. So, like these were things that are just naturally they they deactivate a lot of these lectins or enzyme inhibitors and all sorts of different things that these plants have. Um, one interesting hack um, for cooking dinners is is using a pressure cooker. So, a pressure cooker has heat and pressure to make things quickly, um, and it actually inactivates a lot of the lectins and things like beans. So Got like it. beans get a bad rap because people are like, they have lectins. Well, beans are also one of the healthiest foods possible. And if pressure cooked, they're great. They get rid of the lectins. Is this, this, the thing with this gut te- stuff is we are so complicated and all this, this entire symphony of like, is, is really concentrating this GI tract. So We can go down so many rabbit holes. Like yeah. lectins is a whole nother conversation. I don't even know if we want to go there. No. But what I want to leave people with is, is like, eat non-processed foods, colorful stuff, That first meal of the day, make it some kind of simple thing that's easy to digest. Ideally, a shake we will throw some kind of recipe in show notes. Two, get some kind of green veggie during during the day. Pair it with a protein if you want. What I tell people, if you want a simplest thing, it's like shake, salad, snack, supper. Shake, salad, snack, supper. Or if you intermittent fast, it could just be salad supper or shake supper. Um, But it's just a really easy way to think about these things. If you're getting a good green serving and you're getting things like baby spinach, baby arugula, spring mix, easier to digest than things like raw kale, which is harder to digest, you're, you're, you're good to go. We're getting probiotic sources all the time, right? We're getting kimchi. We're getting sauerkraut. And if we're really trying to improve our gut health, we're getting a probiotic supplement, running that for 30, 60, 90 days. We're drinking water, but not overly with our meals. We're drinking water between meals you mentioned like, how do you take care of your colon? Well, pretty much all of your water absorption happens in the colon. That's like the colon's like main job is you have gut bacteria there that does like the last remaining bits of extraction and digestion because they live down there and they're getting the remnants of what kind of comes down that GI tract and preparing things out to be stool. But we're also absorbing all of our water channels are, are largely in the colon. So that's where absorbing a lot of those fluids. So not having that at the same time as meals is very good. I also think that drinking more tea is beneficial for gut health. One tea that is two teas that are very good for gut health. Um, One is ginger tea. Um, So it's a natural anti-inflammatory, very strong one. And it also can aid digestion. If you look at any of these tea blends that say they're like good for gas and bloating, they often have ginger, peppermint, and fennel are like three main herbs. And I think we've kind of lost this this art of uh, of humans, like having tea, tea yeah. is like really kind of like plant medicine. And we kind of moved away from that because we have all these processed, like bottled drinks and sugary
1: shit. Well, I think but, here we have others, other cultures, yeah. certainly uh, Japanese culture, English culture. They right? love tea. Yeah. And appreciate right. it. Yeah. Yes. But I think like, like, like
0: if you like peppermint tea, after you have a meal can like really help digestion pretty substantially. So can fennel tea and and there's great blends, I would say from a company called traditional medicinals, they have like digestion teas that are that are wonderful, um, and that's also a way to help it. Like, this is actually what humans used to do. We don't do it anymore, but before meals, people would take these things called digestive bitters, which oh, is like yeah. bitter oh, yeah. herbs that stimulate the bitter taste in the mouth that actually gets the gets the liver and the gallbladder to start secreting bile ahead of time. So it's like this anticipatory thing. You're going to have a meal. You took digestive bitters, gets the GI tract, like ready to rock. And then you chew your food, you eat slowly. Like the system's primed. These days we're like immediately all or nothing, swallowing the food, not chewing it. There's no like preparation. (laughs) Right. And, And we're also in a stress state and there's two branches of the nervous system. Sympathetic, meaning like activity, stress, fight or flight and parasympathetic rest and digest. Which system do you think is better for gut health? Parasympathetic. What system do you think is better for longevity, parasympathetic? So if you want to live a long life and have good digestion, like you can't have that discussion without addressing like what your stress levels are at, which again, is a huge conversation. That's mindset. That's sleep. That's the kind of food you're putting in. That's drugs and stimulant use. Like what are you doing on that front? So this is all interconnected, but I I would say this, that like, if you have problems with your gut health, it's probably symptomatic of problems with your overall health. And if you do fix the gut health, you're going to fix fundamentally inflammation. You'll probably reduce pain. You'll probably think sharper. Your energy levels will be better. You'll be able to lose weight. So another fun fact is they do these things called fecal transplants where they basically they take poop from lean people and they put that poop in overweight people. They put it up like they take other people's poop and they'll transplant it into overweight people and overweight people will start losing weight.
1: How do they figure that out? That's so bizarre.
0: Well, it's what are we doing? We're transplanting
1: this oh, microbiome, is my, yeah. this
0: healthy gut bacteria into the, 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 the person who needs to correct dysbiosis. It's amazing. It's been shown in rats. It's been shown in humans. It's powerful. We can do this ourselves by essentially doing our, our good probiotics and prebiotics. So plant uh, fruits, vegetables, plant fibers, plus the probiotic in, in, in supplements and, and the probiotic foods. Very, very good. But it just goes to show the power of these guys for like affecting like real phenotypic changes in weight loss.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. Isn't well, it? Yeah. So I, I think we need to stop and digest all this. That's right. a lot what of information. <laughs> it's a lot of information. I know. I'm just that excited. Was, I, that, that was it, very I complete. it was useful though. That was really complete. Like I really, I feel like I was taking a lot of notes. I really feel like I got a very complete picture from the mouth out. Mm-hmm. And all the way through that was, I was, I was, I was, uh, that was good. That was really good. And I think that we'll, um, we'll definitely, so you'll send me an email with the, with the smoothie recipe for everyone. I'll put the dirty dozen and the clean 15 in the show notes for everybody to see. And then maybe some of your recommendations on like the teas, uh, glutamine for gut health, like GI revive, things like that. Like the stuff you gave me, like the, uh, curcumin that we put in the water and like that yeah that smoothie in the morning is so hydrating yes that like pounded and it's done and it's in and i don't really eat breakfast but that's that is my that's my meal of the day
0: you're getting micronutrients and you don't have to feel full because it doesn't take a lot of time right perfect world i'll I'll say this in summary of, of what i think is like an ideal routine yeah you wake up in the morning you rehydrate quality water get some good water remineralize it pinch of some pink Himalayan sea salt, maybe some trace mineral drops. I like to put curcumin, which is a, a turmeric curcumin drops in the water because it's a great anti-inflammatory. That's a that's not a necessary thing, but it's a good option. Before you have your morning shake or meal, I think a tablespoon or so of apple cider vinegar would be a very powerful Straight. good thing for the
1: gut tract. Straight or in the or in the drink.
0: I don't care how you get it in. I mean, it's a it it, it, it like I would not have it sit on your teeth too much. I, I just take a shot of it, but I, you know, that's how I roll. Yeah. But you can do it in whatever, a little warm water, but get that down. Apple cider vinegar, good. It's going to help control your blood sugar spikes. It's good for digestive health. And actually, if you get the good stuff that has the mother, like, like the, Bragg's. Brain, the Bragg's, apple, yeah. Yeah, Braggs, apple cider vinegar with the mother, it actually has a lot of the, the, some probiotic cultures in there too, which is amazing. So you do that in the morning. You do your morning smoothie which again is giving you anti-inflammatory compounds, vitamins, minerals, the right amount of calories. You're going to be full until lunch. You may have some teas or coffee or whatever you drink in between then. So you're hydrating in the period between first meal and lunch. At lunch, you're getting some kind of fiber. Get fiber, pair it with protein. Whatever that ends up being for you, there's so many different ways to do that. But like a primary fiber source is a really good thing. And here's the cool thing. If you just make it a salad, if you really get into the habit of having a salad for lunch, You can get a salad anywhere. You travel anywhere in the world. Heck, you can even go to McDonald's in Tokyo and probably still find a salad that would pass, like a chicken salad or something like that. Like, Not ideal, but I'm I'm making a point. I believe the strongest routine is one that should be able to stick and not be location dependent. So shake salad, snack, something that is good for your, your GI tract. Maybe it's nuts. Maybe it's fruit. Maybe it's some kind of bar. Maybe it's jerky, whatever it is. And then dinner, you have a little more variety. And if you do have a big meal, you take some enzymes. Got it.
1: Dude, that was that was, like, that was a whole semester of, of GI in one hour. <laughs> <You did it. laughs> that was a huge education. Now, I've got to, I thought I knew a lot about gut health. I've got to digest that all. all like, man, that's um, okay. So for anybody that wants to get a hold of Dr. A, fitfatherproject.com right? Mm-hmm. Super yep. easy. And um, that, that's it. I mean, you're YouTube, a regular here. YouTube everybody, channel. everybody knows you. what's that. Yeah. Oh, your YouTube channel has a ton. Yeah, I think that's a good way.
0: Stuff. Like if you want to listen to me rant about stuff, like that's a good place to be. But yeah. I, I honestly, I think we go, we go deeper here. So like check out YouTube videos, but they, these are the combos to tune into.
1: Yeah. I love it, man. Dude. Thanks as always. This is, I think your like fourth episode. You really are a regular. Like when we, when we first talked about it, I'm like, I'm going to make you a regular. And you're like, yes, let's do it. We're yeah, number awesome. four. This is awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here. I'm excited for five. Yeah. Dude, we're going to do 25 people <laughs> need this. This is a, you know, th- th- this show gives so much counterbalance, right? So we can't have all personal development. We can't have all business development. We've got to take care of the body, the mind, mm-hmm. the, like not, and not in terms of growth, but in terms of fuel. Yeah. And now we're talking about, um, you know, like elimination as well being a, mm-hmm. a key piece to all this. Got to get everything put good in, get the bad out. So, Dr. A, thanks for being here, my friend. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Appreciate you. Check out, make sure you check out the show notes. We're going to have a ton of the stuff. Uh, you're, Dr. A is going to write up a whole thing. We'll put that in the show notes, give you that. If you need Dr. A, fitfatherproject.com. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you on the next one. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast, where
0: our mission is to educate, elevate, and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests, or becoming a man on purpose, visit menonpurposepodcast.com and
1: choose your most purposeful path forward.